Dear Father in heaven, we thank you once again that we have the opportunity to spend a few moments together opening up your word and looking at some practical principles that will help us in our soul winning efforts. Bless our time today in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. If you're following along in your book, we're going to be looking at lesson number 13, Reclaiming Missing Members. We're going to look at some of the high points there. As I said, we don't have a whole lot of time to cover this morning, but I think we'll lay a good foundation that you can build on when you look at the book. There's a lot of good information there. So reclaiming missing members, uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 4 says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and goes after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now in this parable that Jesus told, who is the good shepherd? Jesus is the good shepherd. And Jesus left 99 sinless worlds. I don't know if there's 99, but he left the sinless worlds, and he came in search of the one that was lost, planet Earth. That was Christ's example, and of course that needs to be our example. He's asked us to follow his example. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrated his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who made the first step in man's salvation? Jesus did. He didn't wait for us to be perfect. But he provided a sacrifice that we can receive by faith. Matthew chapter 10 tells us, 10 verse 5, when Jesus sent out his disciples, where did he first tell them to go? We looked at this verse earlier. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into the Samaritans, the city of the Samaritans, but rather go unto the sheep, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So where were the disciples to begin when it came to their evangelistic outreach? They were to begin those who were once or those who were familiar with the message or with the truth. Acts chapter eight, uh, 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, starting in Jerusalem and then in Samaria and then to the uttermost ends of the earth, starting with those who are closest to us, and then we expand from that when it comes to evangelism. In the book Evangelism, page 693, we have this statement. Yet how often in our ministry endeavors we begin in the uttermost parts of the earth while bypassing the lost sheep right beside us. God is calling us to start where we are. And there is good news. The Holy Spirit is convicting former members of your church to return. These non-attending members are ripe for an invitation to come home. When the storm of persecution really breaks upon us, the true sheep will hear the true shepherd's voice. Self-denying effort will be put forth to save the lost, and many who have strayed from the fold will come back to follow the great shepherd. So an important area of evangelism is connecting with those inactive members, those folks who are once fellowshipping with us in church, and we haven't seen them for a while. You're preparing for your evangelistic meeting? Start with those people. Start building relationships with them. So a few things to consider. Why is it that uh, Seventh-day Adventists might leave the church. There are several reasons, but here are probably the three most dominant reasons why people leave an Adventist church. And it's not necessarily listed in order, but one of the reasons is a conflict with the pastor or a church member. That sometimes results in a person getting frustrated and so they stop attending church. Another one, which I think is, is the main reason why people leave, is the second one, discouragement over personal problems and or discouragement with themselves over failure to live in harmony with Bible standards. 
Another way, just the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And they get discouraged and they lose their connection with Christ. And they just feel like, you know what, it's a waste of time. Why do I even go to church? There's no way I can live up to everything I need to. Well, they need to understand the gospel and the good news. But that's one of the reasons why people leave. And then another one would be deep personal tragedy that leads to questioning of God and frustration or a lack of support from the church. So somebody might be going through a difficult circumstance in their family or their health or work, and because they're not connected with a support group at the church or friends, they're not part of a small group type of ministry, it's easy for them to get discouraged. And if somebody misses church one week and nobody contacts them and they miss the next and they don't hear anything from the church, it begins to form a habit and it becomes easier just to stay home than to actually get up and go to church and fellowship and connect with the people. So if we see someone who's missing church, we need to be right there to encourage him to come back and work with them, right? We don't want to let time go by. It gets harder the longer it is. So there's three types of loss that we find in the Bible. The one is the lost sheep. Did the lost sheep know that uh, it was lost? Yes, the lost sheep did. He wandered away from the fold, right? Found himself alone, cold in the wilderness, and he began to cry. He was lost. And of course, there's people that realize that they are lost. The other is the lost coin. Did the lost coin know that it was lost? No, the lost coin didn't know anything. It sort of just got lost and didn't quite know it until it was found, if you can put it that way. And then, of course, the lost son, he was aware. He came to conviction. He actually made an effort to reach out, to come back, and the father met him. And so we need to be looking for all of those kinds of people, people who don't really sense a need. They might not think that they are lost, but they are. Those who recognize that they are lost, those who have wandered away, and those who are reaching back, trying to connect, trying to learn, trying to come back. So there are three basic steps in reclaiming lost members. And the first is to get the names and find out why the people left. That's the obvious starting point. The next is to, form a, uh, to visit these former members, seeking to reclaim them, listening to them, and inviting them to come to different church events. Evangelism is a very good thing to invite them to come to. So if you have an evangelistic meeting that is soon to start, start with those inactive members, visit them, connect with them, and then you can invite them to come out to the evangelistic series. Thirdly, nurture these new believers into a new, renewed commitment to Christ and to His church. We're going to look at each of these phases. How do we do it? First of all, how do we uh, get the names of those non-attending members? You've got different options. You've got the church records, which is probably the obvious starting point. Uh, if your church is like most Adventist churches, you probably have more people on your church books than you actually have in attendance. On average, about 60% of the names on the church books actually show up. In some cases, it can be a little less or a little more, depending upon how old the church is, if it's a newer church plant. Usually there's more people in attendance than actually on the books. But if the church has been there for a while, usually things kind of go the other way. So you want to start with the names of the church members. Find out, uh, have they moved? or they still living in the area? Sometimes it's the children of church members. They were baptized when they were younger, went off to college, got busy with a career, and never reconnected with the church when they came back. And then, of course, referrals of Adventist relatives and friends. Uh, someone in the church might say, well, you know, we used to have that person, he used to attend regularly, we haven't seen him for a year or two. Well, there's a lead. Write down the name and you want to follow up on that. Church school records. If the church is connected with the school, 
Often the young people will go through the church school, they'll get Bible studies, they'll be baptized, and then they go on and they get disconnected from the church. So that's another area that you, could, you can work with. Now in large congregations, many of the names in the church books might not be recognized by the board members. Uh, probably the easiest way or simplest way to discover who these people are is to distribute a list of unfamiliar names to the church members, asking them to fill in any information they might have about the names on the list. Now, you want to be careful in the way you do this. You want to be redemptive. So, if you're going to be handing out a list of names of church members, especially Sabbath morning, you want to kind of lead into that by saying, here at this church, we're really concerned about every single one of our members. And as time goes on, people might move, or maybe they just get busy with something else. Maybe they're attending a different church and we're not aware of it. But we want to connect with all of those who are members of the church. So we have some names that we're going to be distributing today. Uh, we somewhat lost contact with them. If you could write down anything that you might know about these individuals, because you might have a visitor there, right? So you want to bear that in mind when you hand out these cards. You want to make it evangelistic and redemptive in the way that you do that. But you can get quite a bit of information just from the church members. It's always a good idea to visit in Paris. Now you're going to go out and connect with these people. God never designed that as a rule, His servants should go out singly to labor. So you want to go with someone when you go. Now who should you take with you on these visits? Well, if you're married, a good person is your spouse, all right? If not, maybe there's somebody else in the church that uh, is wanting to be involved. This is a great ministry for people to get involved with. Number one, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Number two, it's fairly simple. Uh, the best time to actually go out and do the visits, I found, is on a Sabbath afternoon. Usually people are home on Saturdays. And Sabbath afternoon is a good time, maybe right after church. I'd bring a change of clothes because you probably don't want to show up at somebody's door dressed in your suit, right? Or uh, your fancy Sabbath dress if you're going to be go visiting. Because that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. So bring a change of clothes. You have potluck at church and then change. And on your way home, you can just stop at one of these people's homes. And we're going to explain to you what you're going to do when you get to the door. So you want to go. Twos is always a good idea when you go. Wherever possible, try matching up the visiting members with those being visited according to similar interests, career, family backgrounds. And this might happen after your first initial visit. So you might want to introduce those missing members to others in the church that might share similar interests. So if you go to the door and it's a, a young person that you're connecting with, well, you want to introduce that young person to your young people's group that you might have at church. If you meet with somebody who is interested in a particular area, maybe health or something, connect them with someone connected with health. So you want to introduce people and connect them. And then consult closely with your pastor before setting out on your mission. The reason being is the pastor might be working with someone already, and they might say, well, don't worry to visit that person. I'm already connecting with them. But here's some names that I think would be great. I don't know much about these people. Follow up with them. Try and find out what's going on. So you want to be organized in this. So I would say find a group of people in your church who would be interested in this type of ministry. It's not too difficult, doesn't take a lot of time, but it is a great ministry, especially before the evangelistic meeting starts. You get together, you do some training, go through that chapter, Reclaiming Missing Members in the book, and then get organized and set a date that after church, we're going to try on our way home to stop by one or two of these folks to try and make contact with them. And we'll explain what you say when you get to the door. Right, so here you are, you and your friend or your spouse, you're going to go visit someone. So you get their address and you're on your way there after church. And uh, you walk up to the door, you knock on the door and they open the door and you say, Hi, my name is so-and-so and this is my, 
my husband, my wife, my friend, and we're with the local, whatever the name is, Seventh-day Adventist Church. We just wanted to come by and get acquainted. Now, when you say those things, you need to have something in your hand. That gives you a reason to go to their door. If you have nothing in your hand, you're just standing there saying, we wanted to come by to get acquainted. They'll look at you and go, uh, <laughs> I'm in the middle of something, I don't have time. But you want to have an excuse to stop by the house. So you have a book in your hand, you might have a DVD, you might have a magazine, you want something to connect you to the church that you think they might be interested in. So a DVD, something inspirational, something encouraging. You don't necessarily on this first visit want to try and delve into some of the sensitive doctrine that might be a concern to them, especially if you know a little bit about them, but you want something encouraging that you can share with them. So you go to the door, they ring the doorbell, open the door, and you say, this is my name, and you introduce yourself and say, we're from the local Granite Bay Seventh-day Adventist Church. We just wanted to come by and get acquainted. Uh, we haven't seen you for a while, and we wanted to give you a special gift. So you have that in hand, and you can give it to them. Now, when it comes to giving someone a book or literature, there's several things that we could do that I think would make it more effective. If you just hand someone a book and say, I wanted to give you this book, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not that interested. What I like to do is if I'm, if I'm handing out a book, I will read through it or look through it beforehand and find a chapter or a passage or a page that I think they would really enjoy. So when I go to the door and I'm going to give them a book and say we wanted to come by and share something with you, and you could say the book is called Whatever, Whatever, and there is a chapter in here that I just loved. That's on page 53. Now, you can read the whole thing, but I would encourage you, make sure you read page 53. Matter of fact, you might even want to start with page 53. Read paragraph 2. Don't tell them what it is. Read paragraph 2. It's fantastic. I think you'll really be blessed and leave the book with them. That kind of primes the pump a little bit. What do you think they're going to look at first? Page 52, right? They're going to be curious. What is it that he got so excited about? Let me take a look at it. So that's true in any type of literature distribution that you might give. Don't just give somebody a book and say, hope you enjoy the book, good luck. Find something in the book that you've really enjoyed and say, ah, oh, this is a great book. But boy, chapter whatever, whatever is fantastic. Sometimes when I give out the book, Desire of Ages, I like to do the same thing. I'll say to them, this book is on the life of Christ. It's a fantastic book. But there is a chapter in this book that you just can't miss. It is my favorite chapter in the whole book. You can read the whole thing, but you can't miss this chapter. Matter of fact, you might even want to start with that chapter. You know what that chapter is? I like Gethsemane. That's probably one of my favorite in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'll start with that. And I'll say, here's the page number. Take a look at this first. Read this. Well, that motivates people to actually check it out, you see. They'll take the book and they'll read it. So you want something in your hand when you go to the door. And you want to kind of prime the pump when you give it to them. Make that first contact. Now, you know, sometime the conversation might continue. Maybe on a follow-up visit, if they take the book, you can go back by in a couple of weeks and say, hey, just wondering if you had a chance to read that. Do you have any questions? Were you blessed by that? And that'll open up a conversation with them. Well, once you get into a conversation with them and you find a little bit about them, this is the key question that you want to ask. Very important question. In the conversation, you ask the question, now, you used to attend our church, didn't you? And they'll say, yeah, I used to go there. Then you ask, how long ago was that? Oh, that was two, three years ago. Then ask the question, have you ever thought about coming back to our church? You want to ask the question, have you ever thought about wanting to come back? 
You don't want to say, well, will you come back? You say, will you come back? And they say, no. Well, that's kind of the end of the conversation, right? It's over. But if you say, have you ever thought about coming back? And they say, no. You can say, well, you know what? We've got this great event that's coming up. Very special musical program. It's coming up on Friday evening, and I think you'd really enjoy it. Matter of fact, it's for the whole family. You can go ahead and give an invitation for them to come. If you, have, if you ask the question, have you ever thought about coming back? And they said, well, you know, yeah, we have. You say, well, fantastic. We've got this great program coming up Friday evening for the whole family. I think you'll really enjoy it. So you want to ask the question, have you ever thought about coming, up, coming back again? Now, this could open up a lengthy discussion. You want to listen attentively, make sure that you hear all that they have to say. Reassure them that the church family will seek a resolution if needed and wants to see them back in church. So listen to what they have to say. Before you leave, be sure to invite them to any future church events that might interest them. This is not the time to get into any deep theological discussion. Nor is it the time to try and argue with them with reference to why they don't come to church. The purpose of these visits is to make contact, to show the person that you care about them, and to invite them to come to one of these church events. That's the goal. Make contact, befriend them, and invite them to come to some event that the church might be doing. Now here's a few tools that you can use. A few do's and a few don'ts. Number one, get to the point of the visit within a few minutes. So you visited with them, maybe you've dropped off something and you've come back and follow up visit and you're getting to know them and you're chatting a little bit. Well, they know that you're from the church. They know you're probably there for a reason, so get to the point. You want to ask the question, now you used to attend our church, didn't you? And they say, yes. So how long ago was that? And they tell you, have you ever thought about coming back? Now you want to time things correctly. If you know an event is coming up in a couple of weeks that you think they would be interested in, an evangelistic series, a revival series, maybe a guest speaker that's coming, maybe a Christmas program or a health seminar or, or something that you think they might be interested in, use that as an event that you can invite them to. So plan this, work around what the church is doing. You might even want to arrange a special event so that you can have all of your inactive members attend and you can go out specifically and invite them to something special that you think would be a blessing to them. You want to listen kindly, listen interesting, listen calmly to what they have to say and always close your visit with prayer. It doesn't have to be a long prayer, it doesn't have to be involved prayer. But at the end of the conversation you could probably just say something like, well it's been fantastic visiting with you. You don't want to stay too long, 10 to 15 minutes is all you need. It's been fantastic visiting with you. Uh, we need to be going, but before we go, could we just have a short word of prayer? Just bow your head and start praying. You don't have to wait for any formal response on their part. Your prayer needs to be short. It needs to be to the point. It needs to be encouraging. Reminding them that God loves them in the prayer. After the prayer, you say, Amen. And say, it was so good coming by and visiting with you. I want to remind you, we have this very special event taking place this weekend. I think you'd really enjoy it. Hope you'll be able to come. You could also say to them, you know, I'm going to be there and I'll be looking. If you want a place to sit, please come sit with me. Kind of funny how that is. Sometimes people not knowing where to sit becomes a hindrance to them actually coming to an event. They don't want to feel awkward, right? But if you say, hey, you're welcome to sit with us. Matter of fact, it would be my pleasure to have you come as my guest. Something like that. That try and make it as easy for them as you, as you can to have them come out to those church events. Uh, give a brief invitation to come out to the evening seminar if you're doing an evangelistic seminar or the meeting or the event that's going to be happening at church the next time 
and then you want to leave shortly after your prayer. So you have a short prayer and then you leave. Now here are a few don'ts that you don't want to do when you go make contact with these people. Number one, don't betray the backslider's confidence. They might say something to you like, well, the reason I don't go to church is because so-and-so sold me a bad car and uh, he's an elder in the church or a deacon in the church and he's a an hypocrite. And, well, don't go to brother so-and-so and say, well, the reason Bob is not at church because you sold him that bad car and then he gets upset and calls Bob and it makes the thing worse, right? Now, there are some cases where you might have to communicate with the past and give him some information, but typically, you know, you, you don't want to try and... This is not the time to try and make peace. This is the time to get them to come back to the church first, right? To build a relationship with them. Secondly, don't act shocked. They might tell you stuff that just seems kind of strange. I've heard all kinds of things in people's homes, and uh, sometimes I've had to sort of just smile on the inside and have a straight face, but you think, boy, that is just crazy. That's off the wall. They might say, the reason I don't come to church is because sister so-and-so is so mean. Well, I know sister so-and-so. She's the sweetest person on earth. And if they got upset with her, it wasn't anything she had done. You know, it was a perception they might have had. But you don't want to get into an argument. You don't want to try and defend anyone or their reputation at this point. All you want to do is connect with them, build a relationship, invite them to come out. Don't defend anyone. It's sometimes hard to do. They're a little critical of the pastor or somebody in the church. You don't want to get into that. Just kind of listen carefully and kindly. Uh, don't stay too long. All you need is 10 to 15 minutes. Don't dismiss the backslide as hopeless. I'll tell you a little story in closing about that one. And don't argue about church standards. Um, again, there'll be another time when you nurture them, when you work with them, that you can deal with these issues. But right now, you just want to build that relationship and get them coming back where they can hear the word. All right, Christ's Method, Ministry of Healing, page 143. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them. He ministered to their needs. He won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. Now, a few other things you want to keep in mind. After you've made that initial visit with the person, you've gone by the house, you've given them something. That's your excuse for going by. Now you want to nurture that relationship. Whether they come out to the event that you invited them to, or whether they don't come out, you can still follow up with them, still befriend them, still connect with them. Uh, put their names on church on a church list for social events, but not, not solicitation events. Now just be very careful about people putting their names on any type of church mailing. Um, this is what it means if the church is going to do some kind of mailing for upcoming events. Make sure that they're interested in that event. So when you're visiting with them and you say you've got this great health program that's starting, and they say, oh, I'd love to come, but I'm going to be out of town this weekend. So don't worry, we'll let you know when we're going to do something again. Um, but be careful. Uh, people don't always like stuff coming in their mail that they haven't asked for. So just be careful on that. Uh, when it says church events or social events, not solicitation events, that means if the church is doing some kind of a fundraiser and you're asking for money or something like that, don't, don't send them that information, right? Otherwise they think, well, you're just after my money. No, we're not. We're interested in them. We want to connect with them. You want to stay in touch from time to time. You want to telephone the former member, keeping them informed about interesting church family news. This is as the relationship is building. You're nurturing that relationship. So at least once every two weeks, you want to get in contact with them. Follow up just with a phone call or stop over at the house, give them something, keep that relationship going. It might take several visits before they actually come to something. 
Use important upcoming events as an excuse for a return visit to invite them. Bring along someone of their age group or similar interests to get acquainted. As you're getting to know them, they have a particular interest or you might want to connect them. Uh, let's just say you're visiting a young mother and um, she's got little kids and uh, you realize, wow, here's an opportunity to minister. So bring somebody else in the church, a young mom in the church that can connect with her and they can spend time together and their kids can play together. So you're building relationships with these inactive members, trying to figure out a way to bring them back. You want to try and help solve personal problems that might obstruct church attendance, such as babysitting, transportation, caregiving. Take personal interest in their children, if they have kids. I remember one time, a church that I was involved with, they were doing these visits and they were connecting with people in the community and they went to one particular area in town, uh, someone that was associated with the church several years before, but then stopped coming. And they went to this one particular area and they had a lot of kids. It was one of these apartment complexes in the rough part of town and a lot of kids running around and so they connected and, and the mom was a little overwhelmed and she had all these kids and so the church member said, you know what, looks like you could take a little time just to kind of rest and recoup. Would it be okay if we picked your kids up on a Saturday morning and took them to church for an hour and a half or two hours to give you a little bit of a break? Well, the mom said, absolutely, yeah, you can have them. <laughs> You'll just do two hours, can you do more? No, no, no. We can. So we actually had some of the church members drive around and they picked up these kids. There were several families and they brought the kids to Sabbath school. And of course at Sabbath school, it was these kids had never been in the church before because the mother used to be associated with the church many years before, hadn't come for a long time. So they brought the little kids to Sabbath school, got them excited about the songs they were singing and the stories that was told and uh, then they would drop the kids off after Sabbath school. We had quite a group of these community kids that were coming out every Sabbath morning, and we had saints as Sabbath school teachers, because these were really energetic kids, and they were able to work with them, hold their attention. It really was an evangelistic ministry that they did. Well, after doing this for several weeks, the kids would go back home, and they had a, a great time. It was a safe place, so the parents didn't mind the kids going. And then they arranged a program where the kids were going to do some kind of a song or program up front for the 11 o'clock service. Well, then, of course, they invited all the parents to come to see their kids sing. Well, suddenly you've got all of these parents showing up Sabbath morning, actually came to church to see their kids sing. So working through the kids, they were able to connect with the parents. So those are some of the things that you want to be looking at or thinking about when you're visiting. If they have small kids, uh, they might be willing to part with them for an hour or two Sabbath morning and bring them to Sabbath school. And then you could follow up in those ways. So these are some of the ideas you want to be thinking about dealing with the kids. If appropriate, occasionally stop by their home with a book or a loaf of bread or a basket of fruit. Uh, once the relationship is, is growing with this person, if you happen to be a baker and you can bake a loaf of bread, uh, that's a great thing to take by and say, you know what, I was just baking some bread this morning. For all of you, here's a fresh baked loaf of bread. People are going to love that, right? So use these as, ex as excuses <clears throat> to go by and connect with the person. Yes. So stay in contact with these uh, members and connect with them over different events and different things to try and work with them. And then put forth every effort in your power to see that the former members are present during a call for surrender or a special Sabbath morning consecration or baptismal service. Again, you want to try and connect them to these opportunities where uh, the Holy Spirit can speak to their heart. And evangelistic meetings are a great opportunity. Small group Bible studies, home Bible studies, these are great things that you can invite them to. Um, 
And if there's a call to surrender, a revival weekend event, or a special guest speaker that's coming, or maybe something related to inspirational uh, testimony that somebody has to share. Those are some of the best things to invite people to come to. If you have a, somebody sharing their testimony, or it's a great testimony, tell them to come to that. Do everything you can to try and get them to come during those calls for surrender, allowing the Holy Spirit to work upon their hearts. If there's financial needs that prevent the family from coming, you can talk to the appropriate people in the church to see what you can maybe do to help. In many cases, they might not have transportation to the church. Well, you can work around that, right? Try and find someone that can pick them up and bring them. Or if they need some help, otherwise, talk to the right groups that you work with. In the book, Great Controversy, we have the statement, The redeemed will be sharers in his joy, as they behold amongst the blessed those who have been won to Christ through their prayers, through their labors, and through their loving sacrifice. That's a wonderful promise, that there'll be people in the kingdom because you went by their house. You knocked on the door, you gave them a book, you shared the gospel with them. And that's what evangelism is all about. It is recognizing that we're part of a larger plan to bring people into the kingdom. We have our part, the Holy Spirit does His part. God is working through these different channels to connect with people. All right, a couple of questions related to this. Anybody have any questions on reclaiming inactive members? I know we went through this quickly. I'm trying to hurry to hit the high points so we'll have time for Pastor Doug. Is it fairly clear? You know, if you're a friend of the missing member and you want to try and bring them back, you can always bring another friend along, someone they might be new to them to connect with as well. Try and find somebody in the church that has a similar interest so you can kind of connect them. And then the other person can also encourage them to come. So they know more than one person at the church. That is sometimes the case. That's where you can get others involved as well. All right, so there's a, there's a missing member of a different church, and you're trying to connect with them, but you don't want to step on the toes of that church. I think in one way, you can just contact the church and say, you know, I know this person. I'm connected with them. Do you mind if we invite them to come to some different events? I mean, hopefully the church will work with you, but at the end of the day, you've got a soul you've got to win, Right. And if they're going to neglect this lost sheep, you better go after it, all right? Uh, do the best you can to work with the different groups, but I would not stay away because some other church says, no, you can't visit them. Uh, if they're not doing it, somebody has to do it, right? So you want to try and work with the other church as much as you can, but at the end of the day, this is a soul that needs to be saved, and you need to make that a priority as well when you're trying to reach people. Uh, I mentioned one of the points a little earlier. Don't ever dismiss a backslider as gone too far. There is power in the gospel. God can reach people. Even if we think, oh man, it's too late. I was pastoring a church in Missouri and we had uh, a brother that was attending. His name was um, Rob and his brother was Pat. And Pat used to be a member of the church, but he hadn't gone to church for years. But Rob was a member of the church and we were doing our Reclaiming Active Members program there. And we said, all right, find someone that you can connect with, invite to come to the church. Well, Pat... You know, Rob thought of his brother Pat, but Pat was quite the character. He was uh, a leader of a gang in town. He had a tattoo parlor. Um, he was selling drugs. He was a skinhead. Uh, the cops were always trying to get him, and uh, he was trying to evade them. And Quite the character, not interested in religion, because Rob would go by and visit with him and try and bring up religion, but... Pat would get all upset and say, don't talk to me about that. That's just a bunch of hypocrites at that church. I'm never going to go. But Rob didn't give up. 
and we were going to do this evangelistic series. And so Rob went by and said, you know, Pat, we've got these meetings happening at the church. I really want you to come. Pat said, I'm never going to go back to that church. It's a bunch of hypocrites. Don't ever bring that up again. Well, then Rob came up with an idea. He said, listen, Pat, I'll make a deal with you. If you will come to just the first three presentations in the seminar, I won't bother you anymore. I won't bring up religion. Just come for me. Come as my guest to the first three presentations. Well, Pat thought about it and finally said, okay, okay, I'll go. Oh, okay, great. Rob got a commitment. He's going to come. Well, opening night of the evangelistic series comes along, and Rob goes by to pick up Pat to come to the meetings because Pat had clean forgotten that he had said that he would come out. And so um, Rob went by and said, all right, Pat, I'm here. And Pat said, well, what are you here for? No, no, I'm here to take you to those meetings, remember? And Pat said, well, I'm never going to that church. I'm not going back to those meetings. Rob said, we had an agreement. You just need to come to the first three, and then I won't bother you about it anymore. Oh, okay, finally, finally, he was able to convince him. Opening night of the meeting, church, people are gathering in, and here walks in Pat. Now, Pat was a big guy. He was tattoos up and down his arms and piercings everywhere. He was quite the character. And he came marching down the church, and he came right to the front, and he plunked himself down on the pew. And everybody in the church is kind of looking, oh, man, what, what's going to happen now? Well, the meeting began. It was one of these net meetings. The pastor was preaching and so on. And throughout the whole first presentation, Pat was just shifting around, looking at his watch, huffing and puffing and making a bit of a scene. At the end of the evangelistic meeting, Pat got up and he huffed and you could hear him say, I'm never coming back. And he marched out of the church. It's as if the members went, Whew. all right, there he goes, good. Well, Rob didn't go give up. He went back to Pat the next day and said, Hey, our agreement is three meetings. You only came to one. We still have two to go. Oh, okay. Finally, Pat went. He made an agreement. So second night, same thing, sat in the front, kind of disrupted things a little bit. But every now and then, he would look up and he'd listen. Then he'd go back to doing whatever he was doing. Well, the third night came along. Pat came and sat in the front as he had done. He thought, Oh, it's my final meeting. That happened to be the gospel presentation. And the pastor got up and spoke about Calvary, spoke about the cross, spoke about power of God's forgiveness, how that God can change a sinner into a saint. And at first, Pat was doing the same thing that he was always doing, but then he began to look up and actually listen. Somehow the Holy Spirit was able to get through to Pat in that public preaching of the Word. And at the end of that sermon, the evangelist made a call. He said, if there's anybody here, or those who are listening on satellite, if there's anyone who needs to make a decision for Jesus, you want peace, you want forgiveness, you want a fresh start, I want to invite you, wherever you are, just to stand and come forward. And to the amazement of the church, when that appeal was made, guess who stood to their feet? Pat did. Tears rolling down his cheeks. His brother was beside himself with joy. Well, Pat decided to bring his girlfriend to the meetings, they came through all of those meetings, and at the end of the evangelistic series, we had the privilege of marrying the two of them and baptizing them all on the same day. Now, they had a ways to go. There was a lot that they had to learn, but the seeds of truth had been planted in their hearts. And it was so exciting to see their lives change. The Lord began to make some real changes in Pat's life. Um, a year or two after this experience, I was going to India to do an evangelistic series. Now, those of you who have been to India, especially 10, 15 years ago, doing evangelistic meetings in the villages, uh, you can get large crowds of people that would come out to your meetings. 
And uh, you've got to make sure that you keep an eye on your projector and your laptop because in those meetings, these things can disappear. And I thought, I need somebody to help me out with the equipment. And I thought, well, I'll see if Pat wants to come. So I went to Pat and I said, I mean, he looked pretty intimidating. I said, Pat, do you want to go to India and help me with the... I'd love to go, he said. So we got on the plane and we flew to India and we had a big meeting out in one of the villages. A lot of people were coming. And I remember at the end of one of the meetings, I was busy talking to my translator and the projector was there and the laptop was on the stage and Pat was usually very good. As soon as things were done, he'd be packing it away and putting it in the bag. But this time I looked over then, I saw the equipment there, but I didn't see Pat anywhere. I said, well, that's strange. He's usually right on it. And then I began to look for him and I looked up and what had happened is Pat had gone back to the car to get the bag, but on his way back, as he was making his way to the stage, those of you who have been in India might understand, he was surrounded by a group of Hindu women. He couldn't understand them. They couldn't understand him, but he knew what they wanted. If you've been to India before, the people want you to pray for them. And they'll take your hand and they'll just put it on their head. And that means pray for me, pray for me. And I remember looking at the crowd and here's this group of women surrounding Pat. And Pat's got his hands on their heads. His face is turned up towards heaven and he's earnestly interceding God on their behalf. And knowing where he had come from, I said, there is a God in heaven that changes people's lives. That mission trip made such an impact on Pat that when he came back to the U.S., he spoke to his wife and he left and went back. He was construction. He left and went back to India for about six months and helped to build churches in different rural areas in India. His life was changed because his brother did not give up on him. Everybody else had said, well, he's gone too far. Let's not waste our time with, with Pat. But Rob said, no, God can still reach him. So in this work of reclaiming inactive members, there might be those that the church might think, they've gone too far, let's not waste our time. No, every soul is precious to Jesus. Amen? Amen? And we want to do everything we can to try and reach them. All right, well, let me have a closing prayer. I'm going to give you a five-minute break, and then we're going to turn the time over to Pastor Doug. Dear Father in heaven, once again, we are grateful for the opportunity to be co-laborers with you in the greatest work of all, that of seeking and saving the lost. Father, as we think about those who used to attend our churches, but they don't come anymore, we do pray that you give us wisdom and give us the courage to connect with them, to visit with them, and to invite them to come back, Lord, uh, while there is yet time that these lost sheep can find their way back to the fall. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.